iTunes presents Meet the Filmmaker at the Apple Store. So how long y'all been waiting here? Five hours. Five hours. Wow. Yeah, right. you guys are going to be really disappointed. <laughs> I'm just going to let you know a little secret. They had me waiting in an office back there. IBM computers. <laughs> Weird, right? Dirty little secrets. So how's everything going? I heard uh, it's been a little busy. Yeah, I, I, I put the panic into my poor publicity friend, Erin. Uh, I was sleeping at my hotel. I took the red eye in last, this morning. Didn't sleep. Got the middle seat like that. And uh, so I grabbed a little nap there. Set the alarm on my iPhone. Still on vibrate. Frantic calls to the hotel. Where are you? But I'm here. Everything's okay. Yeah, we're here now. That's the good thing. So, um, again, thanks all for coming. Really appreciate it. And, um, Nathan, tell us a little bit about Castle. It's kind of, um, it's a cop f show, obviously, but it's kind of, it kind of crosses genres in a lot of ways. It's uh, got a lot of tones going on there. You know what? It, we got a murder mystery here. I mean, we're no stranger to the murder mystery police procedurals, but we're not zooming into any wounds and going past the liver up to the pancreas. We're, uh... If you've ever watched CSI and said, ah, you know, there was a joke right there. If you just said, because the guy had a, boy, he really lost his head. He had a, there was a joke. He could have, oh, he didn't go for it. On Castle, we, we go for it. Castle's the kind of guy, he's, he's really enjoying himself. He's a guy who's writing about murder all the time. He's writing about the mystery. He's, but now he's living it. And every day's a field trip for Castle. He's, <laughs> so he's, uh, he really wears his joy on his sleeve, this guy. And he also kind of, lacks a filter that says, maybe now's a good time to stop. No, he doesn't do that. Do you ever go too far with the character? Do you ever feel like the writers go too far at all? You know, I pitch jokes all the time. <laughs> I'm going to say for every 20 to 50 jokes I pitch, one gets in the show. Got it. It's also, <laughs> it's also a... Uh, it's kind of a, there's a, a romantic angle, obviously, um, but it's never really consummated. It's never acted upon that much. Uh, talk about that part of this show, too, and uh, that element of it. I'd like to say that that part's kind of very realistic. I mean, certainly, love at first sight, I know that exists in the world. I think there are people who said, yeah, me and my wife, we met, you know, 45 years ago, and first day we got married, and that was it in Vegas, and they're great and happy. I'm sure that happens, but... For the rest of us, it's a dance. You know, you get to know someone, you're kind of you're forced into, but never the two shall, but then you kind of blow it a little bit and you get set back and then you got to start to kind of come back again. That's pretty much what we got on Castle going on right now. Last, you know, season, they were kind of coming to a, a something and uh, Castle blew it. He really kind of uh, betrayed Beckett's trust, crossed the line. That, again, that filter, he, said, he figures he knows best. He says, you know, there's two people we... We can solve it. We can get some resolution here. And she's had her resolution. She's, she's done with investigating her mother's murder, but Castle pushes it. There, there's a setback. Now, obviously, we've got another season coming up, so something's going to have to happen where these two actually proceed along and that, build, again, a relationship, get back to somehow where they were. That is what I was going to ask you next. I mean, this is kind of the cliffhanger of all cliffhangers. You know, uh, it, you know I, I think it's about your mother, right? That's the line. And so... Uh, I, guess, I don't know how much, how into detail you can go about what's going to happen this season, but I mean, how, do, how does that relationship repair itself, and uh, how do you kind of regain that trust with uh, Kate Beckett? Well, I don't want to, I don't want to give too much away. I mean, 
like I said, we have a second season, so something's going to have to happen. <laughs> I think I found it satisfying. I mean, it's, it's about, the sh- in the end of the day, the show's about people. How do people come together? How do people uh, look past the flaws? How do, how do people come together after, after a betrayal? Uh, you know, let's tune in. Monday at 10 p.m. on ABC. Um, I, I'm kind of interested in the mother issues in this show. Uh, between Beckett's mother, obviously, and then you're a single father with a daughter who's kind of like a mom figure in a kind of a weird way. Then, you're, then there's your actual mother in, in the show, too. Uh, can you, you know, kind of, uh, how did you approach that, and what do you think of that? What do you make of all that in the show? There, too, I think it's very, I think our show is very, very realistic in that, you know, the nuclear family that I grew up with, the mom and dad are still married, their kids, everybody's together and happy and moving forward. Uh, that's no longer the norm. That's now the, the minority. Now the nuclear family consists of, you know, single-parent homes, divorced parents. You know, these things happen. And here we have Castle, who is a man constantly surrounded by women, yet no authority figure. His mother is kind of a loose cannon herself, and his daughter more so a parent than anyone in the family. That's, you know, that stuff is going on. That stuff, she's got a rebellious dad who likes to drink and party and have a good time. She's kind of more straight and narrow. She rebels against what her father's like. I mean, that's very typical, and I think very realistic. And then you find Kate Beckett, and here's this female figure, yet she's got authority. He's going, <laughs> he's loving it. He's having a great time, and she's gorgeous. What the hell? Right. right. Uh, were, were you a viewer of cop shows growing up, procedurals or any detective shows? I was a big Chips fan. <laughs> I was a big John Chips fan. John or Ponch? I was, I, was always, I was always John. My brother was Ponch when we were riding our bikes. Uh, but we, uh, we had um, uh, Robert Pine, uh, the, the chief from yes. Chips. We had Robert Pine as a guest this season. I was going crazy. <laughs> I actually shot a pilot in Hollywood at one point in, uh, where my character rode a motorcycle. And when we were finished shooting this scene of my character jaunting up and down Hollywood Boulevard, it was fun, um, on a very trafficked uh, Thursday night, uh, one of the CHP that we had kind of as security, they said, Nathan, why don't you just drive the motorcycle back to base camp? And I said, great. And they said, we'll give you an escort. And it was this CHP fella. So here's me and the CHP riding tandem down Hollywood Boulevard. I just turned to him and I said, just so you know, this is a lifelong dream. I'm John. Were there any other inspirations for, specifically for this character that you drew from growing up? Well, I mean, that's an excellent... Andrew Marlowe question, the creator of our show. I, I like going to work and getting away with stuff that I don't get away with in real life. And Castle's that guy. The, the fact that he just doesn't have the, the sense. I mean, he's very childlike. He's having such a great time. Like I said, he's on a field trip every day. He can't stop enjoying himself. I love his joy. I think he's fantastic in his joy. He's, he's clearly faulted, but flawed. But uh, I, I enjoy that part of him that just can't stop. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, uh, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a, a crime novelist, and he gets kind of blocked up for a while there. Uh, were there do you, are you a true crime reader or a crime reader at all? Are there any books or authors that uh, inspired you 
in any way? Well, once once I got the part, I certainly started diving in, and uh, I wrote uh, I've read a couple of pa- uh, Pattersons. Uh, Bob Barker, Robert Barker, right now is uh, Robert Parker. Excuse me. The uh... <laughs> I'm just gonna stop my phone from vibrating in my pocket, distracting me. Um, the uh, the Spencer novels. Does anybody read those? Right. There, there's a smart ass detective. I like that guy. He's funny. He's kind of like. Uh, Richard Castle, if Richard Castle was really tough. By the way, you're a big guy. If there's a fight today, you're on my team. All right. Um, and then there's a, a new Castle book that just came out. I know it was kind of in installations, I believe, on uh, installments on, on ABC's website. So uh, how long are you going to be allowed to just tag along with Kate Beckett? I mean, if there's a book out now and you've kind of got your story, I mean, how long you just kind of, at what point you become her de facto partner? Kind of honorary cop. Uh, exactly. We, we, it it kind of comes to a head in one of our episodes. I mean, the book gets finished. That was the the long and short of it. He was going to tail her until the the book was done. So we we deal with that too. I'd hate to spoil anything. Okay. How did this role come to you? How did this series come to you? I had um, uh. I had uh, a deal with ABC. They one of those. They call it a holding deal or a development deal, where they're gonna they're gonna say, "We'll we'll find something. We'll do something together. It's gonna be great." Uh, so they kind of lock you in, and then you get a stack of whatever they're gonna do that year. And for no reason, Castle was just on the bottom of of the stack. So you make your way through, and the meetings happen in a particular order. You read before you go in. You educate yourself. And I finally got to Castle, and I thought, "Wow, this would be this would be a lot of fun. This would be a piece of cake. I could do this. I know exactly what to do. I know how I." This I, I'm gonna this I better go have a meeting. <laughs> I better tell these people. And I was working on Desperate Housewives at the time, just kind of finishing off my my season there. Uh, and the producers and the, and the, uh, the creator were, they were kind enough to come and, and and visit me on the set, bring the meeting to me. So we, I sat him down on my trailer, um, and I said, "Listen, stop looking. I'm the guy. I know what to do. I know, in the hands of another man, this will go terribly wrong." You can count on me. Stop. Stop what you're doing. Here we go. I'd never really done that in a meeting before, apparently. But it went well. It works. Yeah, yeah. And what about Stana and the chemistry there? I mean, obviously, there's, there's acting. You got your co-stars. But then there's, this show definitely has chemistry. I mean, mm. you and, and she have a specific chemistry. So how did you kind of discover that and build on that and evolve that? This is something that you cannot recreate on any other show with any other actors anywhere, anytime. It's new, it's original, and unique to Castle. And if you want it, this is where you're going to have to find it. You can't bottle it. You can't recreate it. It's spontaneous. It's a little bit of magic. With a pinch of wonderful. Let me be more specific. I'm straight shooting you, man. This is not even... Can you describe your first meeting with Stana? And how you talked about discuss these characters? Uh, we were uh, having a lot of girls come in, and uh, we were talking and chatting. And I had st- stood up to grab some peanut M and M's out of the candy dish on the casting director's desk, and all the producers were talking. They said, "Ladies and gentlemen, this is Stana." And I turned around, and everything went woo. Slow motion. Everything was kind of fuzzy. There was a glow behind her. <laughs> Next thing I knew, she's Beckett. Awesome. 
Why don't we take a few questions? There is a mic, which Frank will take someone. Uh, see this gentleman right here. He will Ladies not be denied. Frank. Right? Yes, sir. Nimble fingers. Nimblest fingers in the Apple store. Next to me. Where do you uh, film the show, and uh, what are some of the difficulties of shooting on location versus the set? Excellent, excellent question. We film uh, at Raleigh Studios. We film uh, the locations we do in, in downtown Los Angeles. There's a lot of Los Angeles that was built right about the same time New York was being built, so we had got very similar architecture and things going on. Occasionally, we have to go in and digitally wipe out a palm tree in the background. <laughs> Absolutely true. Um, some of the difficulties, you get into these older buildings. I'm telling you about just something we had happen just this week. You get into these buildings, they were built a long time ago without consideration for uh, one day we're going to fill this place up with you know, 80 to 90 people and you know, $70,000 worth of very hot lights. So there's no ventilation, there's certainly no air conditioning. So you've got a very hot day in Los Angeles cooking this building all day long, and then we slip in there in the evening and try to cool it down. It just doesn't work. That's a challenge. That's a challenge. <laughs> you can be cold and pretend you're not. You can't be hot and pretend you're not. I'm a sweaty guy on a good day. Over here, next question. Please. Uh, uh, Mr. Fillion, um, I was curious if you Please, ever... call me your lordship. <laughs> My liege. If, um, That'll do. Have you ever tried your hand at writing, and uh, if you haven't, has the character of Rick Castle inspired you to? Uh, I have tried my hand at writing. The, uh, the ABC deal I was talking about, it was uh, born of a pilot I wrote, uh, uh, a buddy comedy uh, that I designed for Alan Tudyk and I. Uh, Alan Tudyk uh, from... Uh, <laughs> most of you seem to know. That's excellent. Um, it was a, uh, a story about two brothers, one kind of miscreant, ne'er-do-well, that always kind of relied on his older, more responsible brother. And then the older fellow's life falls apart, and, and then he has to turn to his brother, who is this basically a con artist, small-time criminal, because they've started a uh, repo business. So now he's turned to his brother for help, saying, now I, need, now I need you and your expertise, and how do we do this? And he's kind of trying to make a new life for himself after his, his life falls apart. I'll tell you this. Uh, writing is a lot of pressure. I can't imagine writing, creating a show, and then being responsible for every week, it being fantastic. Never mind having those responsibilities on top of being in the show. That would have that killed me. Just writing the pilot, just getting that thing done. Wow, what an experience. I am going to leave that to smarter men than I. That, what's going on with that show? Because that was like at least a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, right? A year in Africa? What? Re 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 Repo Brothers, right? Yes, Repo Brothers. Yeah, what's going on with that? Because that's been a we, while. We in wrote it. We, you know, we put it out there. The student network, they said, oh, okay, yeah, but we're not going to. You know, they, we, we picked out these ones and yours didn't make it, but we'll find you something. That's pretty much it. It was a little bit of a, because that was tough. I was looking at an early heart attack. I want that. Right. Next. We have a question here in the second row. Okay. What? Right over here. Hi. Um, what would you say, besides your obvious presence, would separate Castle from the other crime shows out there? 
Uh, I think what we were talking about earlier, as far as uh, being a little bit, it's, it's obviously lighter fare. It's, it's obviously uh, uh, a little more irreverent. We talked to a bunch of, we had a bunch of homicide detectives hanging around us while we were filming the pilot here in New York City. These guys are not brooding, haunted, oh, someone else got killed. Oh, when will it stop? They weren't those guys. They were hilarious. Their stories were brilliant, incredibly entertaining and comedic. It just so happens they all started with, so this guy gets killed. It's the start of every one of their jokes. I mean, it, was, it was incredible. It was, and they're funny. They're, and I, I, I don't know. I mean, that's real life. If I, <coughs> I guess that's a choice. You could become haunted and brooding, or you could use the comedy to, to balance out you know, the, the darkness of, of you know, people are getting killed. But people get killed all the time. And if it's your job to go find the guys who killed the fella, that's your job. And eventually it'll become mundane, and eventually you want to become you know, entertained. But you still do your job. They're just doing a job. It's just a job. Over here? Yes. Hi, uh, Your Highness. Uh, <laughs> I was just wondering, um, with Hollywood capitalizing on like a whole bunch of remakes, uh, would, if they ever uh, redid the Evil Dead series, would you ever consider playing Ash? Yes. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, that would be a good one. I've often thought about that whole scene with the, with the hand takes over. Yeah. Um, we have a question here in the Frank, fourth row. Do you write the sheer brilliance that is Richard Castle's Twitter? Uh, no, I do not. No. <laughs> no. Uh, no, that is, uh, that is one of the writers, or a couple, actually, there's a couple of people, and they all kind of come up with stuff. That, 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 there's a team. There's an entire team that, while they're not busy writing our show, will write little 140-character bits for, for Richard Castle's Twitter. Yes. Do you have a Twitter account, Facebook? And I do. I'm, I'm at Nathan Fillion. How often do you tweet? And, and it, it, what do you get out how of How often I tweet is directly disproportionate, oppositely, what's the word I'm looking for? Inversely, inversely Inversely. proportionate to uh, how incredibly busy I am on the set of Castle. So if there's like a long setup and we have to do the thing and turn it around and this and that, I might pull up my phone and give a little tweet. If I'm real busy... And there you have it. Over here? Right over there. Hi. Um, one, I want to congratulate you on the Emmy win. <laughs> Two, my question is, I know you're very busy with Castle, and Castle is awesome, and I'm going to watch it, but do you have any plans to appear on Dollhouse? Uh, thank you. Let me get, give you a little rundown of my day. So Monday morning, I wake up about 5 o'clock. I get to work at about 6 a.m. I work a 14-hour day on average. The union provides you what they call turnaround. It's 12 hours. From the time you leave work, you've got 12 hours till you have to be back there. So if a 12-hour day, that puts you at about 8 o'clock in the evening. That means you have to be there at 8 o'clock next day. They might force your call, saying we're going to force it up to 7 so now you start at 7, now you go till 9. And then you start at 9, and then you go till 12. And then you start at 12, and you go till 2 o'clock in the morning. So by Friday, you're done at 2 o'clock in the morning. That's every week. That's kind of erases the possibility of you having a moonlighting gig. <laughs> they did a little magic and shuffled and wrote me out of a couple of scenes for just so I could come down here Friday, hang out with you, Stu. Thanks, I'm having a good time. Yeah, me too. 
I appreciate it. It's not lost on me, Nathan. Thank you. Speaking of lost, remember that time I did lost? That was awesome. <laughs> Good segue. Yeah, so um, I, w- I would love to uh, do an episode of Dollhouse. That would be fantastic. Hanging out with uh, Eliza Dushku, maybe Alan Tudor could come back. We could hang out there. Uh, Amy Acker, I don't know. Is she still on that thing? She's Okay, good. Hanging out with Amy Acker, hanging out with Joss. What was his last name? You know the guy. And uh, that would be a lot of fun. I'm just, I'm all booked. I'm all booked. We've got another question here in the second row. Right in the front. Hi, Nathan. Um, Bonjour. uh, When you free up some time, because obviously you're very busy, do you plan on doing more internet stuff like PG porn or more specifically Dr. Horrible 2, finally? I can tell you this for sure. There are plans for a sequel to Dr. Horrible, another installment. It's still in the early stages of development. So early, in fact, that the medium by which it will go out to the world has not yet been solidified. So will it be internet? I don't know. Will it be a radio show? I don't know. But it's gonna, there, there will be a sequel. And once everybody's got some time in their hands, I think we're going to bang one out. It's going to be fun. Down here in the second row. Right over here. Yes. Hi. Um, I was just wondering if you had any advice for someone that's um, been doing background work on films and TV shows and been doing independent films and wanted to step up to the next level and get into some more um, like network TV, things like that. I would love to be able to tell you, here's what you got to do to be an actor. But the fact of the matter is, I mean, everybody's journey is going to be different. I think you're on the right track. I mean, you're obviously ch- chasing it and you're, you're putting yourselves in, yourself in the right position. Uh, I can tell you what I did. Uh, I got involved. Local theater. I mean, that was my outlet, my one and only. Uh, when I had an opportunity to get involved with a project, I took that opportunity, especially if it scared me. If I thought, ooh, that might be, I don't know if I can, that might be a little, I don't, uh, what if I, if I started to doubt myself, I'd feel it and I'd say, ooh, I can't let fear make this decision for me. So if it scared me, I'd do it on purpose. Except for anything having to do with sharks. <laughs> or bears. Or heights. There's kind of a diversity to your work, though. I mean, between theater and, I mean, obviously you started in soaps, you know, and then you did the, um, um, uh, uh, what's it called? Dynasty, right? Is that what it was? Yes, yeah. yes. Back in my hometown, we did a live improvised comedy soap opera. Every year it was a serialized story. We'd pick a theme. Uh, small town Alberta, a cruise ship, a spaceship. Roman times, the 30s, a soap opera. Uh, instead of uh, dynasty, we called it die nasty. And that was a lot of fun. That was a good time. And then from there, I went on to do a real live soap opera. Turns out, a lot more work. You're kidding. That's a lot of work. Yeah. yeah. But uh, it. It uh, with that and that was that was right down the street, ladies and gentlemen, Upper West Side. One life to live, best Joey ever. Um, great time. And then there's your voice work too. Uh, do, do you think voice work can work out well for actors who are trying to break into li- live live action stuff too? Or is there a crossover there? Is it just because? Well, I, I I'm, I'm sure there's a crossover. My crossover was the other way around, right. from the live action to the to the 
voiceover stuff. I remember wanting to do voiceover stuff, thinking that'd be a really easy job. That'd be a piece of kickback. Don't have to worry about your mug and just holler it out. But I couldn't get in. They was like, yeah, Nathan who? Right. So, uh, but thank God. I mean, there's, there's uh, clever people in the world like um, uh, these wonderful people at WB who, who, who took me in and, and, and let me uh, become a member of the Justice League of America. Yeah. It's kind of kick-ass when you walk around and you say, I just know I know your voice. Yeah, I was the Green Lantern. Hey, vigilante. It's like a little club. I parked next to Tim Daly at work at Raleigh Studios because he's doing private practice. It's like, hey, man. We've got a question over here in the third row. Okay, yes. Hi. First off, uh, Bam said the lady... Feed the, birds. The, lady. Feed the birds. Feed the um, birds. Anyway, uh, actually, everything you've been talking about is a perfect segue into what I was going to ask. Um, given your background in theater when you first started off, uh, and, I mean, obviously, you've got wonderfully engaging and compelling stuff on your plate right now, but later on in your career, um, could you see yourself coming back to the stage? And if so, like, in what respect? Uh, improv kind of stuff or along the lines of dynasty or now that you've done Dr. Horrible maybe something in the uh, musical vein uh, I still go back to Edmonton during the Edmonton Fringe Festival the theater festival we have second largest in the world second only to Edinburgh we're very proud Edmonton an incredible festival city summertime beautiful time to be there and I go back to dynasty and I perform in the soap opera to a crowd of uh, upwards of 80 people uh, last time, last summer, I actually brought uh, Alan Tudyk back. He came back and, and guested on our show. They have uh, had Mike Myers, uh, Joe Flaherty. They, they had you know big time actors come and, and do the show. It's a lot of fun. I love doing theater. I think it's its own animal. Having a, a really wonderful time, being up on stage where, where anything can happen, things can go wrong, and you've got to deal. It's no take two. There's no. It's 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 a nice charge. If I were to jump out of a plane, too much adrenaline. Being up on stage, someone forgets their line, just enough adrenaline. <laughs> I like that. Would I go back right now? Honestly, I'm having a good time entertaining people millions at a time. <laughs> I'm having a good time. Um, I uh, my ball is rolling. I see no reason to stop it just yet and say, "What if I try this?" Uh, I'm having a good time. I'm, I'm focused on some projects I want to do. Certainly, if something came up and I said, I've got to do it, then I, I certainly I would. Um, meantime, what was the rest of your question? All right. Oh, you know what you said about the musical? Here's what I was going to say about that. If I were living in Wisconsin and I said, I'm going to buy it. Thanks. <laughs> I'm going to buy a ticket to a Broadway show, and I'm going to go see Nathan Fillion in New York City on Broadway. And then I heard me sing. <laughs> Maybe he's really tired. Maybe got a sore throat or something. Some kind of inner ear infection. I, I'd be a little disappointed. Neil Patrick Harris, trained singer. Incredible. Felicia Day, you don't know from Dr. Horrible how well she can sing because they pulled her back. They pulled her back. She's got a whole like Whitney Houston thing going on. Go download on iTunes. 
date my avatar. Do you want to date my avatar? You'll get a little taste of what Felicia Day can really, really do. Little intimidating, singing, being recorded next to those two. Uh, thus, uh, that's how the song was born on the uh, Dr. Horrible commentary, the musical commentary. I said, you know, just to satisfy myself and keep myself straight, you know, going to work, being intimidated by Neil Patrick Harris, I would simply count all the ways I was better than Neil. <laughs> That'll do. That's all we need. <clears throat> one right here in the second row. Okay, hi. Hi, um, my name is Michelle. Um, I'm actually working with a couple of other um, dedicated followers of the show to try to put together a fan event for Castle, hopefully sometime next spring. Um, we've actually been talking to the development director at Kids Need to Read, and they're um, very interested in working with us. So my question for you is, would you be interested in attending as a special guest? And if so, how should we go about contacting you on a business level to arrange it? Here again, we have a problem with my schedule. So if it's between 2 a.m. on a Friday morning... <laughs> Saturday morning, I guess that would be, and 6 a.m. on a Monday, and I'm not sleeping, pfft, I'm in. As long as it's six blocks from my house. Piece of cake. Yeah, it, it becomes, a, I become a slave to the, to the schedule there. So, you know. But if you're, if, you're, if, you're, if you're getting involved with Kids Need to Read, that's the connection right there, because Kids Need to Read is a direct li line to uh, P.J. Harsma, P.J. Harsma is a, a direct line to me. He's driving my truck right now. <laughs> yep. Talk a little bit about Kids Need to Read and just um, what's going on with that and what, what the growth is. You know, it's a little something B.J. said. I'm going to do something kind of promotional for this book I'm writing, and I've noticed that a lot of libraries on this book tour I'm doing all by myself because my publishers won't help me do it. Is, uh, he's a very proactive guy, very, very active, very, I'm going to make it happen. He doesn't kick back and wonder, why isn't it? He does, I'm going to do it. He's a really interesting, brilliant man. So he said, let's do this little thing. You're going to be the face that puts this, and we're going to make something happen, and we're going to get some books, and hopefully mine, into these libraries and everything. It grew and grew and grew. Thank you to the wonderful brown coats that made Kids Need to Read an official 401k charity. That thing is an insatiable monster now that we can't seem to stop. So I'm going to burn it down. Collect the insurance money or something. Who else we got here? Yeah, we have a question here in the second row. Hi, Nathan. Or should I say Captain Tight Pants? You can say that. Awesome. Captain Tight Pants. <laughs> I answered in many names. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, my question for you is, how long do you guys have from when you guys receive a script until you start filming? And do you find memorization is difficult or is it something that's easy for you? Uh, we have a few days. This, the script will arrive a number of days before uh, we actually start filming it. So you can, you can kind of, I, I scram through it in my spare time. I'll, I'll sit down whenever I get a chance to kind of finish it off, read it. I try to read it in one go. It keeps it all kind of straight in your head. As far as memorization, the script alters. You'll get revisions every day. They come in order. Today's yellow, today's pink, today's salmon, today's fuchsia, today's... I don't know the order. All I know is if you memorize them now, they're going to change by the time you get to the day when you have to film them. So I walk in. If, if I don't have a page-long monologue, I walk in on that day. I cut out my... You get these mini sides, and I cut them down to be even smaller so they fit in my pocket. And I do little boxes around all my lines. I draw a nice little bright little orange box. 
the size of the shape of the box helps me remember what the line is. Does that sound weird? I, I remember visually, I remember just the flow of the scene, what has to happen, whose journey means what, what does this mean to so-and-so. These things help me remember the line. And, uh, and then sometimes I'm just doing crazy make-em-ups. Uh, but yeah, that's the, the memorization. That's something that One Life to Live uh, gifted me with was squeezing that brain muscle and making it work hard. I can look at something and off we go. How did I get this blue ink on my hand? I don't know that, but... <laughs> I know this script like the back of my hand. What's that? Uh, yeah, so I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a day of guy. The, the five minutes before the scene guy. Seems to work for me. Question over here. Hi, thank you for taking the red eye to get here for this event. Um, do you, you seem to have some trust in the writers, but do you seem to have enough uh, confidence in yourself and knowing Castle o only after a season and a half that you're sort of done with to influence or maybe say where you want Castle to go? Or are you completely trusting in the writers right now? Excellent question. You know, the, I've never been on a show that's been this collaborative. When you're working a scene and you're finding real life, you say, I have a pitch. I'm going to pitch something. What about if this, we do this, we just, and the writer for the episode is always right there, and they're very, very good about, okay, but if this happens, we have to make sure, because in another scene, we, have to, we all kind of get together and start squeezing the brain and start squeezing the melon and start running it. I mean, you have a few minutes to rehearse the scene before you start filming it for about two hours. Sometimes it'll come in, oh, just in the very last moment, we realize that this is the thing. If it's a tag on the end of a scene, the scene is done, the scene is finished, I wait long enough that they can go with a pair of scissors and cut the scene off, and then I'll throw something in on the end. That I don't pitch, that I just throw out there. Um, as far as character arcs and character journeys, that's someone else's job. The, the television industry, the music industry, sorry, the, the, the film industry, very departmentalized. If you have a hair that's askew, the lady doing your makeup doesn't straighten it up. That's another lady's job. It's very departmentalized. If you are holding on to an item during a scene, that's props. If that item is sitting on the desk for the entire scene, that's set decoration. It's very departmentalized. Writers take care of the arc. I have, I have suggestions, I have comments, I have questions, but I'm not in charge by any means. Yeah, no power. Just good looks. Do you want to direct? I know you said you're, you're a little busy, but... Uh... Here's another... Th it's an excellent question, Stu. Here's another thing I, I real I leave directing to far smarter men than me. That's a lot of... They start talking about right to left, left to right, make sure we have a shot for it, because we got to complete... We owe on this side. We have to have... Bam, I'm done. <laughs> Sounds good, guys. Just tell me where to stand. Uh, it's, it's a lot of work, and some people are built for it. I am not that guy. I don't do math. I don't do directing. Writing's a lot of work and pressure. Got it. Fair enough. What else we got? We've got a question over here towards the rear. All right. That's what she said. <laughs> um, Too soon? <laughs> I was wondering, after doing TV and movies and theaters, what was it like to be involved in video games? Like coming home. Uh, you know what? It's, it's, it's still just acting. I mean, I don't do anything different. Uh, it's fun because uh, when you're doing voiceover stuff like this, oftentimes you're not in the same room. I did uh, the Wonder Woman DVD, worked with Carrie Russell again. Yeah, she was in New York, I was in L.A. 
and we didn't even do it at the same time. You're doing it by yourself, and you throw out, you know, three hits at the line, and then afterwards they can kind of say, well, well, if you use his read on this line and then her read on this line, it fits together really nice, and the scene takes a journey of, it. The, it's kind of a different animal at that point. You're kind of fine tuning a radio show after it's been done. Um, so it's it's a lot of fun. It's kind of cool. It's a piece of cake, super duper easy, and a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Yeah, especially if it's Wonder Woman, because Steve Trevor got all the good lines. <laughs> Another question over here on this side. Hi. Hi. Well, ODS Josh. I like your shirt. Show everybody. <laughs> um, ODS drops in a few days. I just wanted to ask you and Halo, uh, what's your weapon of choice? Excellent question. Well, Halo 3, I've got to say I'm a battle rifle guy. Does anyone, does anyone play Halo here? Wait, wait, let me, let me ask, who doesn't play Halo? That's right, this will mean nothing to you. You see, I find with a three-round burst, and you lead them just a little bit, the farther they are, the more you lead, you're going to get some good headshots in. Up close, three in the head, one whack to the chest. They're down. Also, what she said. Hi, Hello. Hi, Nathan. First of all, I love Castle. I'm looking forward to the next season. But since you are really busy, and since we are talking about video games, I just want to make sure, are you leaving time for Ninja Ropes? Or have you let your game fall off? You know what? I, Ninja Ropes has been replaced in my life with a new love called Rope and Fly, because I don't have to wait for an internet connection. It's an app, it's an app on the, available uh, at the iTunes store. <sighs> I hope they send me a check for all the... Yeah, Rope and Fly. That's the new one. When he, when, he, when he falls, it's a very satisfying crash. And you can change his pajamas. You can change his outfit. Yes, sir. Hello. Hi. Um, just a quick question, a, a little two-parter. Um, quick question. Is that beat burning <laughs> anyone else's brain from the inside? Just checking. Okay. Uh, my girlfriend and I just drove 17 hours from Halifax. And you're terribly disappointed. And uh, No, no, no. Um, just wondering, after your... Uh, your question's here. If it was possible, if she could get a quick picture with you uh, before she explodes. Anything's possible, okay. but I make no promises. All righty. Thank you. Um, and just wondering, uh, what would you do if you weren't an actor? Uh, my plan B was uh, to be a teacher. I come from a family of teachers. Both my parents... Thank you. I'm glad. Uh, big fans of my parents. Um, both my parents are retired high school English teachers. That's why I talk so good. And my brother, uh, Jeff, who will be joining me tomorrow, he's coming in, that'll be fun, is an uh, elementary school principal. Uh, I have a lot of respect for teachers. I had a lot of great teachers. I had a couple of crappy teachers. And I said, I can do this better. I know it. And uh, I said to my folks, they, when, you know, they, they were just dying for me to find something that interested me. I kind of had no direction. I wasn't into sports. If there was a club of some kind, you had to meet a certain place at a certain time, it's like, eh, what if I'm busy? What if I don't want to go Tuesday at 8 o'clock in the morning? <laughs> Maybe my favorite cartoon is on. This is before TiVo. So I said, I'm going to, I want to be an actor. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. I'm getting a lot of charge out of it. And people are starting to pay me to do it. Granted, it was $17 a night, but it was money. Enough for beer and hot wings. 
we, uh, and I said, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to get my degree, and that'll be my plan B. And once I have my degree, I'm going to take a shot and see what happens, and I can always fall back on the degree. And my parents loved it. They said, well, that makes perfect sense. So off you go. How can we help? And then I got a call from New York City four months before I graduated. How'd you like to be on a soap opera? And I dropped school like a hot rock. <laughs> So long, suckers. <laughs> my mom still kind of regrets. I'm a, she says, well, my one son is an elementary school principal, and my other is a university dropout. You ever promise but she says it with a wink and a nod. Do you have any plans to go back? Ever finish that? You know what? My plan is at my university because they've asked me a couple times for money and a couple times to come and host some events. I said, hey, guys, you know what? Looks like I got something you want. <laughs> it's four months. It's three credits. It's my, my, my last round of student teaching. Come on, man. How about just put honorary in front of degree? Just give me something I can put on my wall. <laughs> Took me four years to pay off that student loan. And I got nothing to show. <laughs> Except this awesome career. <laughs> It'll do. Uh, yeah. Who else? Any more questions? Hello. Nathan. Uh, Present. Um... I notice that a lot of the characters you get cast as have a certain swagger to them, this, like, this macho confidence that you really seem to connect with. Do you ever sort of tire of this masculine humorous, or is it just so fun that it's like... No, next question. Yeah. Um, you know, whenever, I'm, uh, <laughs> whenever I hang out with Joss Whedon and that gang, I don't know why... I, I play I, I played the character of, of, of Captain Hammer. This was long before Captain Hammer. Uh, I once won a uh, the very prestigious Saturn Award. It looks like a golden wave with the, with the planet Saturn sitting on top of, on this huge base. Uh, I was the man of tomorrow. A, a Sci-Fi Magazine, I believe, is one to give those up. Uh, not televised. We. The following day, uh, Joss had a, a brunch at his house. Uh, we, we would, he would have a brunch, and everybody would read through a Shakespeare play. He would call you up in advance and say, you're playing these characters, and this is the book we're using, so let's go. And it was a lot of fun, sitting around his backyard, beautiful, wonderful day, champagne and orange juice, having, I call them mimosas. <laughs> I would arrive with this award hanging around my neck, <laughs> and I'd give him a big hug, and it would clang between us. Like, oh! <laughs> I keep forgetting I'm wearing this. <laughs> While it's cutting into my neck. God, that thing is heavy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, you don't have one of these? Mm. Yeah, it's easy to get these. Yeah, I always play that kind of uh, goofy, I'm really cocky, you know, f full of himself kind of character. And I, I, I think it's funny. Because, I don't know, I kind of... I like kicking the... You know, kicking yourself in the balls. I like that kind of taking the air out of whatever, you know, tires you might be rolling on at the time. I think that's really funny. And you could, so when you put yourself up and say, look how great I am, it's, it's, a, it's an easy way to fall and, yeah, and 
fun. I like. I think it's in, in a. I do try to do it in a self-deprecating way. I think I do. Um, but it's a lot of fun. And 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 then then of course if you do something well, people say yeah he could do that, and then you're doing it again. But yeah, it's a lot of fun. Can you tell us about your character in Trucker, which is coming up, I believe, next month? I believe. Yes, I did an independent film with Michelle Monaghan. Oh, she's so talented. Uh, and, and Jimmy Bennett. Do you guys remember Jimmy Bennett? You do, because he was the young Captain Kirk. That's right. Whipped the car off the cliff. That was a beautiful car. <clears throat> Still hurts. Um, we did this great movie out in Riverside. Um, not, not, a, not the few... You want me to kill them all? <laughs> all right. I mean, I, I've got a nine o'clock, but uh, we are out in Riverside. We're doing this kind of, it's not the feel-good hit of the summer, but it, 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 was, it was a lot of fun. My character is basically a guy who's just stopped trying. He's kind of kicking back, drinking. He's married, but doesn't work on his m- marriage. He's lazy. He doesn't work. Uh, he, you know grabs a gardening job with a bunch of Mexicans every once in a while, and he's happy. He's happy. He's got enough money to kind of get by, and he's just got no drive, and he's, but he's happy. There's people out there who are content, and that's, and that's him. That's this guy. I can't remember his name. It was so long ago, but he was awesome, and he's really good looking. <laughs> right? See, there we did it again with the thing. With the... One over here, and I believe we have time for just two more questions. Very nice shirt. Thank you. It just came today, actually. Show everybody your shirt. I'm asking this only partly seriously, but for all the women out here, are you single? I am unmarried, if that's what you're asking. If we were to make out, there would be someone pretty upset, yes. Uh, I, I had, I had a girlfriend one time, I've got to tell you this story. She said to me, this was not my present girlfriend, but another girlfriend said, you know, we should come up with our forgivable affairs list. And I said, oh, yeah, okay, let's kick that up. If you're on my Twitter, you already know this joke. She said, okay, mine are Viggo Mortensen and Jude Law. And I said, okay, mine are your best friend Elaine and your sister Margaret. <laughs> it did not fly. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. She, not so much. Great. And uh, here is our final question for the night. Hello. This better be good. Yeah, no pressure. Right. Uh, I find it weird that neither the words Firefly or Serenity have been mentioned yet in a whole hour. And I know you're very busy and all, as you've made very clear. But is there anything very, very far along the line that you can say? Uh-oh. <laughs> Damn you. I want to say a special thank you to you. You're very welcome. Plant. I said, I said, here's what's going to happen tonight. You almost let me down. Well, uh, uh, now, here's, I, you, I here, just got you some money. So I hear you. I, I hear you. Um, and and here's, here's what I always say every time this question is asked to me. Is um, uh, first off, if there was going to be more, th- you wouldn't hear it from me. This is not how you would hear. It. I would be reading about it in Variety, just like you guys, and then it'd be like an internet explosion. That's pretty much how that would happen. 
uh, I once made a joke, yeah, and I'll be on the set of Serenity 2. And someone wrote it, oh, well, Nathan said, and brought it to Josh. I went, oh, guess what Nathan said. I was like, oh, you, you dick. <laughs> nice. Way to go. Um, fact of the matter is, that was 2002 that we, we did that television program, and then I think 2004 that we did the film. Um, I didn't think... I, number one, I had no idea it would have the legs it has, right? People still digging that show. People still saying, yeah. And I empathize. I'm a, I'm a big fan of that show. I really liked it. I really did. And I was front and center watching it. This show's great. Nathan, we're rolling. Right. Sorry. I love your work, Ron. Um, I think Summer's really crazy. <laughs> That's from me to you. Um, we, I, I never thought, I mean, I was, it was so funny, the way, <laughs> hardly funny, the way, the, the, the experience of the show and my experience with the show paralleled Malcolm Reynolds' experience with the war. Uh, I said, don't worry, guys. I know all this shifty crap is happening with the arranging of the ep and airing the pilot last and never always preempting us and never people think we're canceled. Friday night, 8 o'clock, death time slot. I, I know. I know. But we're making a good show. We're making a great show. Everything's going to be all right. You're canceled. What? <laughs> I was right there with my heart and, and it, it, bam, bam, right in it. <laughs> Squeezed it. And uh, I, was, I was down for the count. Locked my doors, pulled down my shades, started shoveling the chocolate ice cream. 20 pounds later, Josh says, I'm going to try to make this into a movie. Good luck, buddy. It's you against a corrupt system. You go ahead and try. Heartbreak and despair is what's waiting for you. Do you know what your, prob your problem is, Josh? Do you know? You got hope. And Faith. Ooh, remember Faith? She was cute on that Bubby show. Whew. What was I talking about? Um, I was pretty down about it, and that's... That's exactly where I was. I said, good luck, buddy. It's you against the world, and he did it. So I say, never say never, but I also say, nothing's happened. Nothing's happened. There's nothing in development. There's no rumors. There's no stirrings. There's no anything. There's that. There's that, but I have little to do with that. I sign them a bunch. So, so I mean... I, I say, no, there's nothing going on, but I also say, never, never say never. I was a fool. More than once. Twice. Probably more than that, but that's another story, and that was the last question. And it made me a buck. Sucker. Thank you very much, Nathan Fillion. Thank you all for coming. Thanks Castle. for coming out, you guys. I had a great time. It was wonderful. Castle premieres Monday night on ABC, 10 p.m. After Dancing with the Stars, check it out. Thanks for coming.